The Owner's Box is part of the In The Money Podcast Network. You can always log on to inthemoneypodcast.com where you can follow along. You can subscribe to the free newsletter. And not only do you have the Owner's Box, but also shows such as the Players Podcast, JK Plus One, The Matt Vernier Show, Redboard Rewind, Nick Luck Daily, Talk Racing to Me, In the Ring with Acacia Courtney, and Off Track with Maggie. So lots of great things to listen to. Just head over to inthemoneypodcast.com. Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner of Little Red Feather Racing Club. Joining me from Parts Unknown, Michelle Yu Hansen. Am I supposed to say Michelle Hansen? No, I'm, I go by Michelle Yu. You go by Michelle Yu. That's what I thought. Listen, we have a lot, a lot to cover. It is Preakness Week. Get your Preak on, Michelle. I hope you have it on already. Uh, <laughs> but before we go into it, we have a very special guest that we're going to get to right away for all you people who love our interviews so much, uh, and that is Terry Lovinger. Uh, Terry, welcome to the show. Well, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy these guys have me. <laughs> where 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 are you right now? You just leaving the farm, Lovecker's Ranch. Where 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 are we, Terry? Well, I'm actually in Long Beach right now. I actually left the farm yesterday. Uh, went by the wedding last night, and then came back into Long Beach to take care of business up here. Fantastic. So. Let you know before we get into it, and we want to talk all about the California breeding industry. What have you done for it? Also, you've had a tremendous success, uh, some tremendous success with two year olds. Before we do that, though. We want to get to know Terry. We want to get to know you. And, and tell us a little bit about how you got started in, in the horse ownership and breeding. Well, my yeah. So my family, we're from Oklahoma. Uh, it's also Broken Arrow area. And my dad went back and forth. Uh, originally, uh, we took care of horses that were quarter horses, even growing up uh, in Lakewood. I grew up pretty much in Lakewood, even though I'm from Oklahoma. And we had acreage in the back that uh, we, kept, we took care of people's court horses. So they would send them out from Oklahoma. My dad had buddies. And we didn't have much money, but we took care of people's horses when they'd ship them out from Oklahoma. And then they'd run at Los Alamitos. Oh, interesting. In fact, uh, when, wow. I was a kid, when I was a kid, we birthed uh, Kawea Bar, which is one of the more famous uh, court horses. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, Michelle yeah, loves yeah. quarter horses. There's a stakes race named after her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, we had Angie Mish there, and and that was the dam of uh, Goya Bar, and I took care of her when I was a kid. That's so. like how old were you when you were doing this? I was probably, I'm I'm guessing because it's off the top of my head, but I was probably like in fifth grade, so right in that area, fifth sixth grade. So you always you know, knew that that sure. that you loved these horses, and this is something that you wanted to follow as you. As you grew up, as you went into high school and wherever you went, and, uh, it, this was something that was you were passionate about from the time you were a little kid. Oh, yeah. I still ride to this day. I mean, I read career thoroughbreds, uh, and I, I still ride to, the, uh, to this day. And I, it's one of the things that puts me at peace with life and, and earth. I get on the horses and uh, trail ride mostly. Uh, it's getting well, a little we bit didn't think, for me wait, now. Terry, but, Terry, we didn't yeah. think you were a jockey. You're like six five and like two two twenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would yeah, like to get see off mine. That would be amazing. Yeah, sometimes when I get on the first thing I'm is like, oh, I'm like, okay, I'll try and lose the, but 
you know, lose a little weight here. But, uh, yeah, so I still recruit some of the horses and have a lot of fun doing it. Even these days, it's still pretty hard to toss me. Yeah, well, I would imagine. Michelle, I know you're chomping at the bit for a question. Go ahead. So, Terry, you parlayed the quarter horse experience into a super successful thoroughbred venture. Can you tell us when that kind of went from one breed to the other breed? Well, yeah, in the uh, in the mid-90s, you know, the, the, the quarter horses went to where they did uh, it, it, the artificial insemination, and then they went to where you'd have one mare that would have like three or four babies in a year. And, and for me, it was tougher because, you know, if you had these great mares and now you're having three or four babies out of them, it was, it was hard to compete against the guys that had the very, very best mares. And so I, I decided to move over to the thoroughbreds because I, you know, quite frankly, you know, in those days, didn't have much money. The quality of the mares I had were not the high-end quality mares, and it became tougher and tougher to compete because you just didn't have that good of a chance compete against those really good mares that way. So, you know, I decided to move over. The other thing too, is with the quarter horses, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, once you move out from being up that top level with a quarter horse, it was hard to find a spot or a place to run them. But thoroughbreds, there was still all kinds of range of where you take thoroughbreds and run them. It, even if they couldn't compete on the, on the California circuit. So yeah. I decided to do that because you had more out on horses and places to take them. So, Terry, did you start with just thoroughbred broodmares and you bred to outside stallions, or did you start with a stallion? Well, I had uh, – I, I did have uh, outside – I claimed a bunch of mares, and I bred to a lot in excess, and I did. I, I, I bred outside, and then I, I claimed a, a stallion out of phone trick, and at the time phone trick was uh, – you know, he, he was looking like he was going to be that the next good stallion, but I claimed 911, which uh, was Artie Hubbard's horse. And then I, I bred him, I actually crossed, I bred him to some court horses trying to have success that way. And he's still alive. Actually, he's still at the ranch. Wow. It's kind of, it's, he's still, still there. So that's know, awesome. All those years. Yeah. That's very, very cool. But t- I, I'm missing something. There's like, there's a hole for me. So from, from fifth grade, to when all of a sudden now you're claiming horses and breeding horses. Where's that? Where's the story? What 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 turned you on once you you became an adult and you were doing this on your own? Give us that. Give us a quick b- glimpse into the history of Terry Lovinger. Well, so uh, I took care of horses all the way through high school. I started getting recruited to play basketball in college, so I was kind of focused on playing basketball. And uh, I got recruited. I ended up going to UC Irvine because I knew I'd get to play. Anteaters. I went there. I, yeah, yeah, I'm an anteater. And then on top of that, I could still go to the racetrack on the weekends at Los Alamitos. And because <laughs> right. and, that's, that's you know, kind of was the home racetrack for me. So, and I still had the gambling bug. Even some of the guys I played basketball with, you know, were hanging out at Los Alamitos and gambling all the time. So I'd go there and gamble with those guys. So did that. Uh, I have a civil and environmental engineering degree, uh, started a family, you know, raised kids. And I went through several years where I was just trying to get my company going. And then in 1986, I claimed a mare for 8,000 bucks at uh, Los Alamitos. And she went on to win a couple stakes and, and do her well for me. And I just kept going on from there. So, That's pretty amazing. You know, it's, it was, it, it's amazing when you say that because 
we we learn so much all the time in this game, and we talk about this on the show. And obviously, two weeks ago, uh, uh, an eighty-seven to one shot that hadn't didn't have a prayer won the Kentucky Derby. Um, that was claimed for thirty, right? So, isn't it amazing that it, we constantly hear these stories, these success stories of of these low-priced horses? What's what's the secret, Terry? How do we? How did Michelle and I find one? <laughs> Yeah, that that's uh, if it was that easy, then everybody could do it. But I think there's more Cinderella stories in horse racing than probably in any other in industry, and you can get those Cinderella stories all the time. And we can we can all tell them, you know. I they, when I claimed that eight thousand dollars, Mayor, I borrowed eight thousand dollars. Wow! Because uh, the Reagan had come out where you could do these retirement things, and so I borrowed eight thousand dollars to 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 do the Iris. Yeah, and the other four thousand was like couches for the family and furniture and stuff. And I, rather than do the ira and the couches, I would I would claim this mare. And I never <laughs> my dad looked at me going, "He told me I was such a dummy." And then everybody was mad at me because I didn't buy the furniture. And then she won like oh six straight races, and then I sold her for a hundred thousand dollars. And and everybody says, "Yeah, we made good choices." And I'm like, "Okay, everybody." Did not like what I did, and they were all bad at me for the longest time. But then when she started winning, then they were like, "Oh, we did this, we did that." I'm like, "Okay." Yeah, we. <laughs> You're it, like, it really didn't work that. It really didn't work couch, that way for a long time. Here's your couch money, family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Michelle, yeah. go ahead. Terry, um, when you now we kind of look at you as one of the preeminent breeders in Southern California, and I think there's a big focus on juveniles. What was your original intention with having Love Acres? Was it to have, you know, homebreds that ran good or did you want to be more commercial? And where did you see that progressing and, and how do you feel about where you're at now? Well, I, I, I've i always enjoyed young horses. I really like the breeding game. And, you know, it's, I like working with horses from a young age level. And, for myself, you know, I don't go to the Kentucky yearly sales to buy horses thinking that I'm, I'm going to beat the people who are spending lots of money on yearlings. There, there's a reason they go back there and they look at all these yearlings and they're looking at the best yearlings in the nation that are born. And for me, I just thought that I'd have a better chance doing the Calbred program, which is actually one of the better programs in the nation, if not the world. And you got a better shot of, you know, trying to do well with cowbreds. And then if you get really lucky with them, then you can't compete against, you know, the open horses. And I did that with Willoughby Awesome. I won the San Diego Oaks the one year with Willa. Yep. And I had taken her to auction. I couldn't, I don't think I had a bid on her at the auction. Wow. You know, just because the pedigree wasn't there. But I knew, I knew the, 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 the filly was there, but just the pedigree wasn't there. Nobody bid on her, so pretty amazing we're looking i'm looking at the stallion roster michelle stay thirsty smoke governor charlie grace upon grace phantom boss oscar nominated ve day i know there was a big it was a big to do to get stay thirsty out here uh can you tell us a little bit about that story terry well i yeah i was back in kentucky and you know i do a cool more all the time and uh had been talking with them and i looked at several different stallions when i was back there and you know i i chose stay thirsty because he's just my kind of bodied horse the kind of horse that you know i wouldn't mind riding myself he's, he's just he's pretty stout got a big hind end on him a big gasket muscle and uh big shoulder big girth and he, he's just a really really cool horse 
but I had a choice of other stallions, but you know, I, I walked from those and was able to make a deal with Coolmore to, uh, to get to pay thirsty. And, and he's, he's a hit already in Southern California. I mean, I just, over the weekend, did, how many winners did he have? Did you have two, at least two year old winners by stay thirsty? Am I wrong? I, if I'm wrong, I, f- forgive me and we'll cut this out of the, <laughs> maybe no, it's more. No, no, yeah, yeah. He won with uh, uh good and thirsty. They split the Calbred race. They had so many entries on the Calbred race. They split the Calbred race and good and thirsty got in one. And the other one was thirsty. John, he got in the other one, and we won both of the, the, the splitting of those two races. And uh, I think he also ran third in the stakes back east with a horse with a picking time. Oh, there you go. So I, was, so I was right. Yeah, and what, yeah. what exactly, when you have a two, two two-year-olds running like that, I mean, I know for, for me, and I think Michelle will agree, whenever you start a two-year-old, it, there's this crazy excitement because you just you just don't know you think they're training well what's it like for you because you've been down this road do you still get excited do you get nervous what's the when you're going out there with a first-time starter that you think has a little bit of ability uh yeah you know i get i get excited about it i mean i mean we're farmers every year you know we we breed crops and we don't know how that crop's going to be because you know we know how the horses stack up at our farm and we know which horses we like best off of our farm, but we don't know how they stack up against everybody else's horses across the state or nation for that matter. Sure. You know, so, you know, so you're, you're going from our farm and then you're trying to compete against everybody else's horses. So you really don't know what to expect until you actually get there and watch, watch them run. And I, I knew I had a pretty good, a pretty good crop of, of horses. And every year I get just a little bit better with, with the horses and, uh, I think this year we're going we're gonna to have some pretty good two-year-olds out there too. What well, Terry Levenger joining us here on the Owner's Box. Terry, a lo- uh, you read a lot. You look around. The, the, you hear stories. The full crop's down. California racing's in trouble. All, you know, it, it could, the list goes on and on. What do you tell people? How do you, uh, who has really invested in these horses and in California, what do you tell people? What, what's your pitch um, uh, for California racing and specifically for breeding in California? Well, like I say, uh, Calpreds still have the best breeding uh, program in the nation. The awards that, that go along with the Calpreds are absolutely as good or better than anywhere else in the nation. You don't have to compete against all the million-dollar mares in Kentucky. The Kentucky's breeding program is actually a lot harder to hit those awards. It's it's because of the fact that you're competing against all the million-dollar mares they got there. You don't have that in California where you have all those those horses like that. And the, the one thing I will tell you is that I actually believe that the, the caliber of California – the cowbred horses are much better. You got Nick Alexander breeding good mares. You got Legacy breeding good mares. And while our numbers may be down, I think the quality of our horses with, with guys like Nick and Legacy and uh, uh, Tommy Town, the, the quality of the, the mare program is actually higher. There's just not as many numbers. But with that, you get horses that are much more able to stick on this circuit. And it's it's really evident when you look at the maiden special weight bonus. Sure. You know that program got got a little bit behind, and it's because Calbreds were beating open horses at a higher frequency than they used to. Mm-hmm. And with the, with the shortage of horses, it's not in the Calbred ranks. 
it's in the open horses where the trainers used to go back to Kentucky and buy all these yearlings and bring them back out. That's where the numbers are really down. The numbers are down from a guy who's going back east and buying yearlings and bringing them back out. And yeah, makes, it, it makes translates into cowbreds being a little bit easier for cowbreds to win those races. It, as they always say, it pays to own a cowbred. Uh, Terry, talk a little bit. I know we're running out of time. Talk a little bit about retirement. Michelle and I are very into it. Obviously, uh, I've recently been named the president of Karma. Very excited for this position and trying to do things for the aftercare programs, especially here in California. Talk a little bit about what you do and, and how you participate. Well, so I have uh, two big retirement pastors at my farm. And and, and they, the one retirement pastor is full of brood mares because as as in the breeding business, as mares get older, you get mares that just get out of the reproductive uh, years. So if you come to the farm, you're going to see one 40-acre pastor that's got about 30 mares in it. And they're all – they it just seems like they do well. They sit around and talk about the weather, and they're all doing really good. <laughs> they just sit there – it's like it's it's pretty amazing that they do so well. And I still got nine eleven at the farm. I still got awesome gambler. I don't breed them. Uh, even Grace on Grace, I'm not breeding to anymore. But I still have those stallions all there. So, you know, I I do participate in recurring horses, and we have those. If you come down, you'll see about uh, anywhere between five and eight gildings that I'm recurring. And uh, I participate in uh, after after care for horses uh, a lot. Just on my own with horses that I have. Yeah, we appreciate so. that. Um, Love Acres Ranch. It's loveacres, L-O-V-A-C-R-E-S dot com. Terry, I'm going to wrap this up right now, but I just want, as an owner, give our uh, listeners who are owners and who are getting into the game one piece of advice, the most important, the most vital piece of advice that you would give to maybe someone who's starting out in the game. Well, I, I can remember when I first went to San Diego, the time I sat with a a lady that was a little bit older in the years, and she said, Terry, whatever you do, don't weaken. <laughs> she says, keep after it. Don't weaken. Keep diligent. I like <laughs> she said, that. Don't weaken. And she said, it's all these years, I've just tried to get a little bit better with everything that I do in terms of, you know, the uh, the quality of horses and, and sticking with them. And I do think that for people that are going to get into the racing, you know, the partnerships are a great, great way to go. You spread those costs out, and uh, they're just really good. If you notice, you know, I, I put guys in horses, and there are some people that want to own all of a horse. I get that. that that's great. Uh, if if they're if they're concerned about, you know, their costs and that kind of stuff, which we all know this game can be, it can be expensive, the partnerships are great ways to go, and it just matters of how much you want to participate in what in, – in, uh, a little red feather type partnership or whether you want to own 25% of a horse or something like that. But Terry the, was not, the biggest thing this is, is not ad, they you, were, you were not paid for this, this, that advertisement. We appreciate <laughs> it though. You were not paid. Michelle has one quick final question before we wrap it up. I got, I got to know, Terry, you're so good with the juveniles. What do you have one this weekend that we should be betting on? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, they're taking entries today. I don't know if the race win or not, but I've got a Philly that I've been waiting on running. You know, Smokem is really, really going to be a, an up-and-coming stallion. Yes. I probably bred, I don't know, 23, 25. Uh, but his, his fillies for this crop are really good. And I'm running a, a horse, Smokem Chena. She's that, that uh, Clopacino line, the Chapino oh, yeah. Pasadino filly. And 
and time for time for uh, uh, Chapino time for Abby. And, and uh, well, time for Abby's. No, that's a different line. Way to go, Michelle. But, uh, Sorry, I screwed but, that up. But Erase the, that. <laughs> but this this Philly, her name is Smoking Tina. I've always liked this Philly. From the day she was born, she was she was large. She stood up in 15 minutes, and we're running her in open company. I I'm not sure until I see the race. He also is in there, but I do like the Philly tons and tons. Okay, you know, All right. uh, good. Yeah, so, there's a little little uh, uh, little gift, little gift single. for our uh, for our our <laughs> listeners. Terry Lovinger, thank you very much for spending the time with us today. Continued success at Love Acres Ranch with all these two year olds and and with the breeding program. We really appreciate it. and everything you do for aftercare too. Thank you, Terry. All right, thank you guys. That's Terry Lovinger here, and we will be right back after this. TaylorMade partnerships provide an unmatched entry and experience into both the racing and breeding side of the thoroughbred industry. Now you can be a part of top-level racing and breeding with all the rewards and less risk and less cost. Medallion Racing has enjoyed great success through the years with 66% of starters running in graded stakes and 25% in grade 1s. Last year, Medallion was fortunate enough to have an impressive four Breeders' Cup starters. Similarly, the Bloodstock Investment have discovered great value in the breeding side of the game, buying and selling such standouts as Improbable, Fast, Cutting Humor, and Flame Away, among others. Join TaylorMade and experience the thrill with us, your family. For the first time in over a century, Fixed Odds Betting, powered by BetMakers, is now available on track at Monmouth and soon will be available throughout the state. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands. The odds you bet are the odds you get. You'll be hearing a lot more about fixed odds betting opportunities across the In The Money Media Network. All right, back here on the owner's box. Terry Lovinger, good guess, Michelle. Um, you know, Terry's a good guy. You, you see him around the track. He's always there. He's breeding. He's owning. He's buying. He's doing it all. Would you? Uh, he's invited me impression? out to the farm on, on many occasions to come pick a baby out of the pasture. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. Why don't you do that? I, you know, the, like the one time that I could, he wasn't around. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other time we're gonna come out there, it was literally like pouring rain. They were like, "There's no one that can come to the farm today." Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, all right, Michelle, we have a huge weekend on tap. We have the second jewel of the Triple Crown. It is the grade one. I don't even know how much money the Preakness is. I'm looking right now. $1.5 million Preakness takes a mile and three, three sixteenths. Goes to the 13th, 7 o'clock Eastern time at Pimlico. Michelle, I assume this is our number one. Thing of note, yes. Thing of note. They're, they're fighting it out for the Woodland Vase, which is the most valuable trophy in all of sports. Nice. Nice. What's, fun, the, right? uh, what's the scoop? What's the, what's the scoop? You want to talk about it now? Yeah, sure. Wait? I mean, I, I certainly think that Epicenter is the horse to beat, right? Well, um, he's the 6-5 to five morning line favorite. He just ran second in the Kentucky Derby where he was defeated by Rich Strike. He was the favorite that day at 4-1. to one. Steve Asperson, Winchell Thoroughbreds, Joel Rosario rides. I, it's, he's going to be tough to beat. If he if he's gonna get beat, there's two horses that are logical. Uh, the first be early voting, who's coming out of a runner-up effort in the Wood Memorial, and he bypassed the Derby to opt for this spot specifically, which has worked for Chad Brown in the past. He won the Preakness with Cloud Computing using the exact same plan and same owner too, Clarevich Stables mm -hmm. Inc. Ho uh, Jose Ortiz rides for Chad Brown, as you said, seven to two on the morning line for number five. 
early voting, who's your other uh, potential winner? I'd say it has to be Secret Oath. Uh, we saw Swiss Skydiver just a couple years ago beat out, you know, the authentic, authentic. in the in the Preakness, yep. and then before that we had Rachel Alexandra win yep. the Preakness, and that was the year that we had a fifty to one upset in the Derby as well. And Secret Oath doesn't have to beat the Derby winner; she only has to beat the Derby runner-up in this particular spot. So she will have to improve off of her career best. But if anyone can do it, it's the coach, and he's looking to tie the record for most Preakness wins. Brillin Farm owns Street Secret Oath. 9-2 to two on the morning line. Luis Saez rides back. Michelle, you give any shot to anybody else? Maybe simplification or... I think simplification for sure can hit the board, right? Um, he picks up a lot of checks. He did win the Fountain of Youth. He was fourth in the Derby. I think his rail draw is actually maybe better for him because he can just kind of stay a little bit closer and maybe get a little bit more of a ground saving trip from up right. there he also is going to get a new rider in johnny v and <clears throat> i think that if creative minister stays at or above his 10 to 1 morning line he's worthy of a shot this is a horse they actually had to late supplement because he was not a triple crown nominee originally so they had to pay 150 grand to get him into this race he has to run at least third to get that money back if you like early voting and you mm -hmm. say to yourself i think early voting coming in fresh uh, going to be part of the pay scenario, and, and you like early voting, don't you have to kind of think Skippy Longstocking at about 20 to 1 might hit the board? He only he got beat three lengths last time by early voting. He's on the improve for Safi. Uh, should should get a nice pace to run in. I just think he's a nice, interesting long shot at you know 20 to 30 to 1 for your tri-fillers. Like if you like early voting. I like the fact that he worked really well at Pimlico. You know, we don't, we're not going to see any other horses here with, with blazing works over the track. So I thought that was a plus. I feel like Safi doesn't generally ship as well as some other trainers. Um, and most of his good races have just been a Lance Allowance company. If you look at his PPs, when he ran in the street sense, he got beat 12 lengths. When he ran in the Mucho Macho Man, he got beat 17 lengths by simplification. So right. it wasn't until the wood that he was even within touching distance of the victory. And I still thought he looked a little flat in okay. there. He might fair. be one, too, that just might end up being like a better long one-turn horse. Okay, totally fair. But I, I see right. where you're going with it, and I don't hate it. No, I'm just looking for some way to, to make some, some price. Yeah, yeah, because if you, know, if you think Epicenter's a lock— or if you, you know, he's going to be even money. Early voting is going to get bad. Secret else is going to get bad. If you, you're just, there's not a lot of, I'm just looking for someone with a price. You get kind of gave creative minister a push. I'll give Skippy Longstocking just a, a little push for a price. If you're going to bet a double, Michelle, I looked at the 12th race earlier this morning, um, the turf sprint, and I kind of like a horse named Grateful Bread. Okay, that's Mano's horse. Yes, that's, uh, yes. She was on our show before. Yes. Um, six to one, and this is kind of the local horse. She's two, uh, he's two for two mm -hmm. at Pimlico. He is six. He came off a, a, a nice, uh, he made his 2022 debut with a really good effort uh, and can move forward from that. I like him as my, uh, as a little double heading into, and you might get a little price there with horses like Caratori in there, uh, Seven Cents. Um, and Hollis, yeah, you might get a little price. That's my. I little, love it. Uh, Mr. Gordy Keys has also been a guest on our show before, the owner of Grateful Bread. That's so right. that so good would karma. be amazing okay. for Matto and team. All right, what's the uh, what's the second? What uh, about the Black Eyed Susans? Did you happen to look at that? Uh, you know what? Un unbelievably, Michelle, I I did not even look. I apologize. Fantastic 
betting race. Yes, in, in it looks here, like it. I, I mean, there's like. 13 horses, and the favorites, the mm-hmm. filly from Southern California. So, um, Adair Manor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, but uh, there's some prices. I yeah. like favor in there for Pletcher. She was third in the Fairground Oaks, and she's eight to one in the morning line. I also think that Big. Beguin or Beguin, um, the oh, yes. daughter of Gunrunner, who's yeah. coming out of a runner-up effort in the fantasy is really interesting. Danny in this Pites, spot. Charles mm-hmm. Ma- Charlie and- Mattis. Um, Charlie, just so you know, is the breeder of Bellamentary. Oh, cool. Uh, this is her half-sister. Oh, very nice. Yeah, and many others. Look, at all that. look been- how that works. Yeah, look at how it works. It's all in the family. So, yeah, we I have a little secret rooting interest for uh, Beguin. All right, right. Bellamentary. Whatever happened to Bellamentary? We sold her, and she had a baby. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. That was it. Okay. Um, Okay, oh, second thing of note. Sorry. Second thing of note is if you're obviously in in the market for a racehorse, it is the Phasic Tipton Mid-Atlantic sale. Yes. um, Going on today. No, uh, no, 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 the Bree Show is today. Yeah, the Bree Show's today. Yeah. Uh, but it will be going on, and that's another opportunity to purchase a two-year-old in training. I think that this sale is super interesting because unlike OBS, this one's on dirt. I think you see a lot of people gearing towards this with more dirt-type runners, it's right? It's a very, very good sale. A um, lot of nice horses. I've been watching the Bree Show. I will tell you that if you go – Get in line early for the hot dogs at this little hot dog stand they have. They're incredible. I think last year I really? had six. Yeah, yeah. No, it's you kind, didn't. Yeah, it's kind. Of, they're kind of like mini Dodger dogs almost. They're really good. But it's a really fun okay. sale because it's kind of small. Like the pavilion's really small and everyone's jammed in there, and you really, you really oh, feel. Oh, it sounds it. so COVID friendly. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's number three? <laughs> yeah, you just killed the whole bit. Sorry, sorry. I'm just saying it sounds fun. I want to go on. Okay. I want to go. I want to go over there. Um, and the uh, the third thing of note is that uh, we're going to have a turf race at Santa Anita for Juveniles oh, nice. on Friday. Uh, last year, our first turf race, I believe, wasn't until June. And the runner-up of that race ended up being McKinnon, who would go on to win several uh, stakes races and be very prominent in the turf stakes category. Yep. So Friday, Santa Anita, it's actually kicking off as race number one. We're going to have our very first turf race for Juveniles. Good. And what else is coming up at Santa Anita this weekend, Michelle? I think it's you oh, got a gosh. lot of stuff. We have so much coming up at Santa Anita this weekend. Did you Obviously, know, can I ask you a question? Do you know what the yeah. average late five payout, pick five payout is in Santa, Santa Anita for Saturdays and Sundays? Tell me. $4,700 for a 50-cent bet. I just saw that stat. Is that crazy? That is crazy. <laughs> That's a lot. I like it. All That's right. great. That's great. Yeah, what else uh, is coming up? Not so uh, obviously it is Preakness this weekend and uh, our sister track is the one that hosts the Preakness. But you can come and enjoy the Preakness Challenge at Santa Anita. You can also join in the um, the show Viver contest. There is going to be the Family Fun Zone both days on the weekends. There's going to be the Sports Lounge going on. It's going to be the LA Taco 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 Madness Mm. on Saturday, which is obviously Obviously, what we like. Um, And of course, (laughs) all we do is talk about food. I know. We're going to have the Golden Hour Pick 4 as well as the Golden Hour Double every day this weekend. That's the dollar minimum uh, for the Pick 4 and the $5 minimum for the Double with a player-friendly 12% takeout. And I also want to gear you up for next weekend, Billy, because it is Gold Cup weekend. Um, we're going to have Gold Rush Day on Saturday with five Calbred stakes and a half a million dollar guaranteed late Pick 5. Uh, there's going to be a Live Money Challenge and then Hollywood Gold Cup 
um, next Monday. So that is Monday in the 30th for uh, Memorial Day. So if you're not going to come out this weekend, although you should, certainly gear towards next weekend. All right. Good stuff, Michelle. Uh, thank you to Terry Lovinger. Thanks to all of our sponsors, TaylorMade, um, Santa Anita, uh, Betmakers. Gainsway. Uh, Gainsway, we are part of the In the Money Media Network. Thanks to everybody who makes this show possible. And really, the people who make this show possible all are, are our fans. You guys are awesome. We appreciate all the feedback. And uh, we will continue to be here. We'll do something next week. I will be at the Timonium sale, so we will be here. Uh, we, uh, but uh, we'll do some Timonium stuff. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Thanks to Terry Lovinger for coming on today, too. And thanks for grabbing him, Michelle. Great get. And uh, I will see you next week. Not this weekend, but next weekend for Gold Cup at Hollywood at Hollywood Park, I almost said. I <laughs> believe that. Santa Anita. The Gold Cup at Santa Anita. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> it's the Hollywood Gold Cup, so that's okay. <laughs> Talk soon. Thanks, Michelle. Bye.